to your seats. That would be good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. I know we're a day early, but uh, we're celebrating the whole weekend, the whole week. And if you're traveling with your family for Christmas, travel safe. Enjoy your time with your fam bam and enjoy all the food you can. Who would like to take a guess at what the sin is that Pastor Marichelle's going to commit tomorrow? Yeah. I don't think she'll be on her own. Any friends? I, I think we can get... Uh, What's the right word? What would the Catholics say? Penance for that? Yeah, uh, we, we could oversight that one on Christmas Day. I, th- I think there's a bit, of, a bit of give and take on Christmas Day uh, in, in terms of that. Enjoy the season. It's our season. It's the church's season. That's what Christmas is. It's a celebration of Jesus, why he came into the world of his person, of his plan, of his promises. It's all good. And we celebrate it with family and friends. We celebrate it with ham. We're not Jewish. We celebrate it with ham. We're going to eat some pig. We're going to eat some turkey. We're going to eat some chicken. You might eat some lamb on the barbecue. Whatever you're eating, some seafood. Who's having prawns? So you might have some fish. I don't know what you eat. Whatever you eat. Salad. Who's doing that? I don't know why it turns up on the table. I mean, honestly, it sits in the fridge for about three weeks afterwards. But uh, apparently it's supposed to be, it must be the color green, just adds a little bit of flavor to it. What a good thing Christmas is. Comfort and joy is our theme for this whole Christmas season. We've been focusing on that from the carol um, what is it? God bless you, merry gentlemen. And uh, we're all familiar with that, an old carol, which is just so rich in terms of uh, theological thought, uh, or the thought of the incarnation of Jesus coming to earth to take on skin, take on flesh, becoming a man and living with us and identifying with us. And the Bible says becoming one of us, becoming one of us. What a beautiful thought. That the God of the universe, the God of heaven, the God that began it all, the life source of everything would take on skin and live in our neighborhood is what John says. Live in our neighborhood, live among us, dwell among us, and then die for us. If that doesn't put a smile on your face and a bit of J-O-Y in your heart, then you're just not alive today. Well, the birth of Jesus, when the birth of Jesus was announced, it was, it was announced as something that would be world-changing. It was a game-changer. It was going to be a landmark in history, one of those ancient stones of truth that we forever look back to as changing our world because it was the arrival of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, uh, the Savior of all the world. Uh, it was the arrival of the one uh, called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. The government being upon his shoulders is what Isaiah prophesied this moment would be. And you know, when Jesus was born, the, the angels appeared to shepherds to shepherds, probably one of the, uh, the, the, the low working class jobs of the day. He appeared to the shepherds, the angels did, and they announced the arrival of Jesus and said that it would be good news that would bring great joy, great joy, I get your problem, great joy for all, great joy for all the people. Do you know the time that Jesus was born 
The Bible calls it a perilous time. A perilous time. It was a painful time for the mothers of Judea because it was a time when King Herod, who was a, a threatened king, he was a king that was insecure, his ego was leading him, and uh, he'd heard a new king was born. So what they did in that day when a new king came on the scene, they tried their best to dispose of them. So he ordered for all the male uh, toddlers two years of age and under to be murdered and so the the hearts of the mothers of Judea particularly were really heavy uh, throughout this time that Jesus was born Judea itself was very demoralized it was in a lot of chaos there's a lot of depressed people around it was a time of uncertainty and a time of insecurity and all of that says to me that, that Jesus came in that moment all of that says to me that it doesn't matter what the state of our world is because, you know, the world hasn't changed a great deal. There's still a lot of pain around. You, know, you might not live in it, but you observe it. You hear it. You see it. You watch it on the news. You hear it on social media. Uh, the Yanks, the, the wars, the rumors of wars, nation rising against nation. We've got the Ukraine. We've got Russia. Uh, we've got uh, the Hamas. We've got Israel. Uh, we've got everything going on over there. Uh, we've got uh, mass shootings that happened in Europe yesterday or the day before. Uh, America that happened over and over and over again. Your neighborhood might be safe, but there's a lot that aren't. And it's still in this world, in this moment, that the good news that Jesus brought is still very, very real. And it can seem like the good news kind of gets a little bit lost in all that mess, in all that chaos and all that confusion. But can I say to you and suggest to you today that comfort and joy exist no matter how dark it is, no matter how chaotic it is, no matter how confused it is, no matter how insecure it is, no matter how unstable it might be, comfort and joy is what Jesus came to bring for every one of us. And so the Christmas message, the Christmas message was and is that Jesus' birth is good news and great joy for all in the darkest of circumstances, in insecurity and insecurity, in uncertainty and insecurity, no matter the season or circumstance. Now, last week, Pastor Marichal focused on joy, and I want to continue that thought uh, today. We spent the first few weeks speaking about comfort. These two weeks are all about joy. So what is joy? What is joy? What is joy not? What isn't it? Let's look at a few things that joy is today. Firstly, I'm having a bit of trouble with my TV. Thank you, TV people. Uh, Firstly, joy is personal. Joy is my job. Joy is personal. Joy is my job. You know, your joy is your responsibility. Pastor Marichelle reminded us of that this week. Nobody else is responsible for my joy but me. It's my joy. Everyone say, my joy. It's the only time you get to be selfish. My joy. It's my joy. And it's my joy. That means I generate my joy. It means I protect my joy. It means I'm responsible for my joy. I host my joy. I hold my joy. I don't give that power to anybody else because the moment I give the responsibility to anybody else to host my joy, I become a hostage under them. They hold me hostage at that point because they get to choose when I'll be joyful and when I won't be joyful. Joyful is my space. It's my zone. It's my territory. It's my heart. It's my soul. It's my emotional state. It's my response. That's what joy is. So joy, firstly, is my responsibility. 
Secondly, joy is an intentional focus and a decision. In other words, joy is a choice. It's an option. Life is full of options. You have the option to choose whether you're going to have a joyful heart, a joyful disposition, a joyful attitude. You see, joy is not a feeling. Joy is first a decision. It's a decision that makes you feel good because what it does, this is the marvel of creation. The marvel of creation is God in his wisdom when he created your brain. What he created was all these amazing chemicals that flood the brain with responses and our transmitters, our neurotransmitters respond to this flood and they they literally flood your brain. And what happens is when you choose joy as an intentional decision, you release those happy chemicals. Who could do with some happy chemicals today? Come on, make a choice to be joyful because it'll flood your brain and your neurotransmitters will receive that and you will begin to feel the benefit of joy. It's always nice to see a happy, smiling face, isn't it? It really is. When you see a happy, smiling face, what happens is you have a physiological response to what you're seeing in that other person, and it lights you up. And some of us just need to be lit today. Turn to your neighbor and say, you lit. We just need to be lit. You need to be fully lit. And, and, And we get this this response when we see someone that's joyful, someone that's smiling, someone that radiates what we would call the joy of the Lord. So joy for me is being in control of my emotional state. It's controlling my space. And God has given me the right and the authority to control the space around my world, to choose to be joyful. And when you choose to be joyful, you can be joyful in any circumstance and in any situation, no matter what's going on, you can choose to be joyful. You may not be happy about it, but you choose to be joyful. You choose to be joyful and joy, a joyful choice leads to happiness. So joy is controlling that space. Sec- uh, thirdly, joy is having strength from God to face anything. Would you say anything? There are some any things that you're going to have to face in life and in this world. And the blessing that God gives us with the choice of joy is to this, is to know that I can, I can be joyful in everything. I can be joyful in it, not for everything. I'm not joyful for everything that happens and everything that I see. I'm certainly not. I'm far from that because there's a lot I just don't understand. There's a lot that leaves me confused and disturbed, but I choose to be joyful in all of that confusion. I choose to understand that God can take the minuses of life and make them pluses. He can take the minuses of life, turn all things around for good, for me. It may take some time from my perspective, but time with God is like that. For me, it's like, oh, (laughs) it's like, when, when? Anyone else have that feeling with God? It's like a little child waiting for Christmas, seeing those presents around the tree, looking at them every day, thinking, will Christmas ever come? Will it ever come? And of course, the big people know it's not long. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow, and you get to open all the gifts. So joy is knowing that you can face the minuses of life, and God can turn them into positives. Here's a short little scripture which really disturbs me. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Paul says, always be joyful. Always be joyful. I want you to know he just didn't say be joyful. He put that other thought there, always. 
always irritates me. Always really messes with my head. It messes with my heart. I mean, how do you even do that? How do you apply that? How does that make It doesn't make sense to be always joyful. But this is the command that Paul's giving. And he had a few moments where, you know, life wasn't oh so happy and oh so joyful and oh so easy and, and, and going so well. And yet his heart and his thought and his attitude to the church was always, always be joyful. That kills me. That just kills me. Because there are some days I wake up and I'm not, I'm not too much of that. Anyone else have a husband like that? Anyone else have a wife like that? Anyone else have friends like that? Look at them right now. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, children. It, it's, it's, it's not impossible to always be joyful. That's the ideal. But don't write yourself off just because you don't reach the ideal. Keep reaching for it. Keep reaching for the ideal of always being joyful. Joyful no matter what. You know, if you're waiting, which is what a lot of people spend their time doing throughout a lot of aspects of life. If you're waiting for that perfect moment, that perfect condition, that perfect season for that thing to happen, that place you're going to go to, uh, when you get this or when you become that, to be joyful, you're going to waste a lot of time waiting. And anyone that's over my age, that would be old, anyone over my age would tell you, quiet Pauline, quiet, anyone over my age would tell you that you can't afford to waste your life waiting. You can't afford to waste your life waiting. You will wait, but don't waste it. In your wait, be joyful. Joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore you. In your waiting, be patient. In your waiting, take on a spirit and a disposition of joy. Because if you're waiting for perfect circumstances, you're going to be waiting forever. If you're waiting for that perfect person, that perfect future husband, future wife, if you're waiting for the perfect one, they're probably not coming. You know why? Because they're looking at you. That's why. That's why they're not coming, because they're looking at you. And you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. We're all in a process of perfection. Give people a break. You know when the people sit around your table tomorrow that you call family, that you call friends, and you welcome them to your table? They're not there because they're perfect. They're there because they're your people. They're there because you're your people. Family's a funny thing, isn't it? The mixture of family, the, 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 the weirdness of family, the complexities of family, uh, the, the beauty of family, the wonderful nature of family, the diversity of it's what makes it so rich and lovely and enjoyable. And it's the same with church. I mean, if we were all the same, how boring would that be? We're so diverse in culture and in, 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 in a lot of ways. We have a lot of commonness in Christ, but then we have a lot of diversity in who we are. So if you're waiting forever, stop waiting because in this imperfect and often ugly world, in this broken, sinful world, in this difficult, challenging world, this unfair and unjust world, 
In this tired and weary world, we need to live in joy right now. I want to drop a few bombs today, uh, little truth bombs for us about Christmas and about joy. And they come from the shepherds initially, from the shepherds in the original story of Christmas. Firstly, joy is now. Everyone say now. Now, joy is now. Joy is right now. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, joy is meant to be now. There's a lot of people that live with the thought that joy is a, it's a destination. It's a destination. I'll be joyful when I finish this. I'll be joyful when I accomplish that, when I receive this. Or when I get into that stage of life, when I become a mother, when I become a father, I'll be joyful. Um, All the mums and dads said, always. (laughs) Always be joyful. It's not a good way to live life, living with that thought of futuristic joy. Yes, there are things that will happen in the future that will bring you great joy but your journey will be enjoyed a whole lot more you will enjoy your joy moments if you choose to live in joy no matter what right now because joy is not somewhere you arrive it's not a destination it's a space you live in today that's what joy is and here's my thought live the life you love and love the life you live live the life you love and love the life you live don't waste your life waiting for joy joy out there in tomorrow tomorrow it's not there it's in today not tomorrow today everyone say today not tomorrow today is my joy so if joy is going to happen in my life I need to let joy happen today I need to live in joy today it's not somewhere else it's here right now we must learn to find joy where we are, with who we are, with what we have, that's where we are to find joy. In Luke chapter 2, in the story of Christmas, when the shepherds received this visit from the angels and this God moment happened about the arrival of Jesus, it says this, it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. They were just doing their business. They were just on the job. They were just doing the boring, mundane routine of what they do. Verse 9 says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. It was just another night in the life of shepherds. There was nothing spectacular about this night. Nothing out of the ordinary was happening. They were just looking after the sheep. The sheep were sleeping. The shepherds were watching. They were looking after and protecting their sheep. I mean, you think your job is boring? This job is really boring, watching sleeping sheep. I used to work in the railway many years ago, and uh, part of working in the railway, when you started working in the railway doing what I did to advance, you would advance from what they called an engine cleaner to a fireman. That's not a fireman with a hose it's a fireman that sits there and presses a button on a train to keep the driver awake and then a driver so part of that pathway was you started as an engine cleaner as an engine cleaner one of your jobs was to shovel wet sand out of a a wagon a a train wagon and uh, into a sand dryer was shoveling wet sand for like an eight hour shift often a 12 hour shift into a sand dryer to dry the sand so that the sand could then be put in the diesels, so when they go, the wheels, go, the steel wheels on the steel rails up hills, they have traction. Talk about a boring job. 
I can tell you the number of nights that I was working that job thinking I'd rather be sleeping than shoveling this sand out there in this very ordinary job, just doing my thing night after night. This is what the shepherds were feeling. And then the Bible says, suddenly, in a moment, everything changed. Something changed around them as this angel appeared and brought this news to them. Can I suggest to you that God often shows up in our boring, in our mundane, in our ordinary, in our nine to five or our midnight to eight, whatever it might be, whatever your job is, whatever you, don't despise the mundane, the ordinary and the boring. Because oftentimes that's where you'll meet God. Because God meets people where they're at. God meets people where life has them. And he comes because he wants to bring a change. And the Bible says, suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared. You know, the truth is, anything can change suddenly when God shows up. Anything can change suddenly when God is on the scene. We can experience life change. We can begin to see things differently. We can see God's love working on our behalf and for our benefit. We can see his plan unfolding. Things we've been trying to change that aren't change, that are resistant to change. God can break it down with an appearance, with his intervention, with his help, with, his, with him being involved. And so the first truth today is your joy is right here, right now. So choose to live joyful in this moment moment in spite of contradiction in spite of circumstance season or situation the the second truth bomb is that joy is sent the bible says god so loved the world he sent his only son joy is sent to us it's something that's given to us from god in verse 10 it says the angel reassured them this is the shepherds don't be afraid he said i bring you good news that will bring great joy to all of the people today the savior yes the messiah the lord has been born today in bethlehem the city of david so the announcement was you can be joyful because today your savior has been born today the one you've looked for longed for prayed for believed for understood he was prophesied about he's come He's come today and he's been born in Bethlehem. Here's my thought. If joy is here and if joy is sent, if joy is now, then how does joy actually come into my life? How does joy come into my life? Like, like people have different joy strategies. For some people, they think if I just work harder, I'll find joy. We call them the workaholics. And if that was true, every workaholic you know should be the happiest person in the world. How many workaholics have you met that you would count as joyful, joyful and happy, happy? They're not because they're so consumed, so consumed with what they do. You see, you can't work harder to discover joy. Some think that being joyful is just to ignore all the bad stuff in the world. Well, that doesn't work. Ignorance doesn't help anybody. And it's not that they're joyful at all. It's just that they have this sense of um, ignorant bliss about the troubles that go on around the world. And they turn a blind eye to everything, to poverty, to injustice, to, to things not being uh, well for some people. And as long as it's well for them and they live in a beautiful house with a, a picket fence and, and have the perfect little family, then it's joy, joy, joy. Ignorance 
is not bliss. Ignorance is ignorance. And it won't bring joy. Others think that joy is a lucky circumstance. I'll be joyful when I win the lotto. Just for public information, I don't actually participate in the lotto, but some people do. And some people have that attitude. They watch the numbers every week, waiting for the balls to drop. And if the balls drop in the right order, then it's good times. It's, it's party time. 15 million. Would 15 million make you happy? Would that bring a bit of joy? Come on, you don't have to be so religious on me. Seriously. I know you people. I, I know you. I know you. I know, I know 15 million would make you happy. It would. It would make everybody happy. Because you'd share it, wouldn't you? Yeah. You could be the loneliest person in church, but the moment you win 15 million, you've got friends everywhere. We all your friend. <laughs> we all love you right now. So, you, you know, winning the lotto, that, that whole thought for people, it's a big thought. I'll be happy when. If joy is a one in a million thing, I don't think that's the way God planned it. I don't think joy is like a one in a million thing. I think joy is more like an Oprah thing. I think like you get joy, you get joy, you get joy, you get joy, you get joy. Rather than just one little bit of joy. I mean, one little bit of joy makes that person happy. What's it make the rest of us? Just so much jelly going on right there. So much jealous envy going on when when someone gets tremendously, significantly blessed or uh, lucky or whatever you want to call it. But when everybody gets a little bit of joy... It really is joyful, joyful at that point. So I I believe that God wants to bring us all joy. I don't think it's a one in a million thing. I believe what the angel said, God wants to bring joy for all people. For all people, because today a saviour has been found. You see, joy is not found, joy is sent. And the tragedy is you can spend the rest of your life trying to find what God has already sent and miss it. You can spend the rest of your life trying the wrong way to find what God has already sent and you can miss it. You can work so hard and not find it. You can look so hard and not see it to find what God has already sent and often miss it because joy is sent and joy was sent from above. The angel announced Jesus' birth is good joy for all people. See, good joy... Or good news becomes great joy when it becomes personal. When you understand this baby that was born was born for you. He was born for you. He was born for me. He wasn't just born for the shepherds and the people of Judea at that time. He was born for all. And when you make it personal and you understand that he was born for me, he died for me, he rose again for me, and he's coming back for me, that brings real joy into your heart as you align yourself with the plan and the purpose of God. When you recognize that Jesus was sent not just to the world for them, but also for us, it brings great joy. Joy, thirdly, is a journey. Joy is a journey. It's not just now, it's not just sent, it's also a journey. So that means it's a process. Joy is a process of maturity. Because when, you, when you're young, you, you associate joy a lot more with happiness. 
and you think of ridiculously happy people. I mean, I want you to think for a moment of the most ridiculous happy person that you know. Think of that person for you. That is not joy. That's just a happy personality. That's a happy person. Being full of joy is a different disposition altogether than that fake happiness, than that fake kind of joy option that people so often choose. People that have a real deep-seated God joy understand joy is a journey. Joy is a journey and it happens in our hearts. And so my encouragement to you today is enjoy your journey. Enjoy your life journey. Like your journey is going to take you through different places. The psalmist talks about it. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You're going to walk through those valleys where some things are going to change around your world. And we need to be able to be full of joy as we go through those moments, come out of those moments. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's heartache as we have that journey. But keep following the joy journey. The wise men, who are also mentioned in the Christmas story, the Bible tells us they saw a star in the sky. And they began to follow this star. They were from the east, and they followed this star that shone brightly because they believed that this star was an announcement that there was a new king to be born. And so they followed this star for two years. It was a big journey. It wasn't an overnight trip. I mean, I can imagine going on the journey overnight. Like if you said to me, let's go for a walk. There's a new king being born. We're going to find him tomorrow. I'd go with you. But if you said this could take two years, you're on your own. I'm not going on that journey. There are some things that have happened in my life, in my world, that, you know, the journey has been long. The journey has been arduous. The journey has been challenging. The journey has been difficult. The journey has been costly. The journey has been demanding. It's been sacrificial. It's been painful. There's been tears. And we've all had those kind of moments. And you can't, you can't detour around them. That's called life. They come at us. They come towards us. And we need to understand the journeying nature of joy. These wise men, they saw this star. They saw it over Bethlehem. And they arrived at where Jesus was born. And it says in Matthew 2 that when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic when they saw the star again over Jerusalem, over Bethlehem, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and they celebrated with unrestrained joy. Unrestrained joy. Unrestrained joy comes when the promise comes true. When what you've hoped for has actually eventuated. And that's what happens here. But in between the promise and the fulfillment there's often a lot of pain, a lot of pain. Here's a verse in the Bible that has comforted me time and time again when I've felt in moments that God was far away from me even though I knew he was close. It says, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. In contrast between God's anger and God's favor, the psalmist says, his anger it's, it's only a little thing. It, it only lasts for a moment that I feel that. But his favor, it lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Joy comes with the morning. You know, the joy journey often starts with tears and pain 
but it always ends in joy. It always ends in joy. Jesus spoke to his disciples about this as he was going to leave earth. And he says in John 16, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly, here's our word, suddenly your grief will turn to wonderful joy. You know, church, joy is, joy is a, a journey. It's, it's not a quick fix. It's a process. And people that live for the quick fix joy, they're people in your world that they live for the new thing, the shiny thing. They're not really after joy. They're after an adrenaline rush. They're after a little bit of excitement. They're not after real lasting godly joy. They're after the next high. The Bible says God's name, Jesus' name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is what brings joy to our journey, is the fact that God is with us on this journey, no matter what we face. My last thought about joy is this, is this comes from Mary, the mother of Jesus. Joy is a difficult choice. It's a difficult choice. I don't pretend that joy is an easy choice. It's a difficult choice because many have difficult circumstances, challenging things that are going on, pain that you've lived through, grief that you've faced, choices that have made things difficult. Well, Mary was in a similar position as a young girl. She had great joy, but let's look at it. In Luke 1, it says, Mary sang this song when she heard the news that she was going to be the mother to Jesus, the Savior. And once she'd processed it, it says, she sang this song, my soul is ecstatic. Who would like ecstatic joy? Come on, not just joyful. My soul is ecstatic. Overflowing with praises to God. My spirit burst with joy all over my life giving God. This is joy to a whole new level. This is joy at a level many of us never get to experience. It was joy that she came to after processing what this plan actually meant. It was joy that came after some tough decisions were made. She didn't start at this point of ecstatic overflowing praise and joy. She didn't start at this point of bursting with joy over her life-giving God. That wasn't the starting point. The starting point was this, Luke one twenty nine. confused, disturbed. Anyone relate to those two words? You're in a good place because that's the starting point of God joy. Confused and disturbed, it says Mary tried to think what the angel could mean when he said, you're going to give birth to a son because she's thought, I've never been with a man. How can this possibly happen? And not only how can it happen physically, how can it happen in terms of my people understanding this plan? What will the village say? What will my mum say? What will my dad say? What will the family think? What will the synagogue say? What will the leader of the synagogue do? Will I still be welcome? Because I know what the law says. The law says I should be stoned for this act. The law said I should be killed for this act. My life should be taken away because of the way this was going to take place. So there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of disturbance in the mind of Mary. But the angel responded straight away and said, don't be afraid, Mary. 
For you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. So Mary started confused. She started disturbed and she started afraid. Virgin birth? How's that going to work? Never heard of that one. How will I tell people? What will their reactions be? What will their responses be? Will I still be welcome? Will I still be part of the family? Will I still be part of the synagogue? Will the church still welcome me? No wonder she was confused. No wonder she was afraid. And yet just a few verses later, she's bursting with joy. What happened in that process time? What happened was this. She made a difficult decision not to trust her own self, but to trust God. And to trust the report, to trust what the angel had said, to trust the message. And she decided not to let the labels of other people define who she would be and how she would carry herself in the village. And she decided right at that moment at the outset that she was going to be full of joy. And the Bible says she was full of ecstatic joy and great joy because she understood the privilege of this plan even though it was delicate and difficult, disturbing and confusing to her mind and to her heart. So she decided not to allow the labels of others determine or influence her response to God's plan. You know, church, the truth is joy often scares us before it thrills us. The joy journey often scares us before it thrills us. You look at the story of any of the greats in the Old Testament particularly. There was often a disturbed, scared response before the thrill of the plan unfolding. And that's often the way it is in life because we don't understand the end at the beginning. We only understand the end when we get there. When we get to the end, it all makes sense. When we get to the end, it all seems so easy, but while you're going through it, it's what the heck? Anyone ever had a what the heck moment? Yeah. For some of us, we live in the what the heck zone. For some of us, what the heck should be our middle name? Like, what the heck? Really? Seriously? But it's not until the what the heck ends and you get to the fulfillment that you go, well, that was easy. Did well. I knew I could do it. Yeah, I knew I, I, I had confidence in my... No, you didn't. You hoped. The hope is the foundation of faith, which leads us to a spirit of joy. And this is what Mary did. Mary decided to trust God rather than trusting herself. Jesus is our great example of this. Jesus had a what the heck moment. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. He went to this garden to pray with his disciples. He said, team, can you pray with me? And the team all fell asleep. Great team. They all fell asleep, right? Because they're just bored. Because Jesus is praying, but they're not going to go through what Jesus is going through. So they're not as invested. And when people aren't as invested as you, they don't get it. So they didn't get it. So they took the opportunity to do what they'd normally do. They slept while Jesus prayed. The Bible said he prayed so fervently, it was like he sweat great drops of blood from his forehead. It was so intense in this moment. And he prayed, Father, if it's possible, can we just not do it this, like, can this cup just, can can I, do I have to? All this confusion was coming out of him in this moment until he fully surrendered to the plan of the Father and made the difficult decision to trust, 
just like Mary made. And Jesus trusted the Father that on the other side of the difficult choice, joy would come. Joy would come. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 2, this is a real key. I don't want you to miss this today. Hebrews 12, 2 says that because of his heart, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you, everyone say me, that's us. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross. And he conquered its humiliation. And now he sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Where did Jesus' joy come from? It come from what he set in front of him. It come from what he focused on in that moment, in that night of agony and pain and, and disruption. And, and, and what, what is this going to mean? He set you in front of him. The joy of knowing that what he was going to go through was going to set you free. That he, the Christ's gift to fulfill what he had come into the world to do, that gave him great joy. And that joy carried him through this momentous moment of sorrow and grief and hardship and humiliation and, and where his life was taken and he's nailed to the cross. The Bible said he did it with joy, just like Mary. This exuberance, joy in his spirit because he had you set in front of him. Here's my thought. Whatever you set in front of you will determine how you stand in life and how you stand in the fire and how you stand in the battle and how you stand in the difficult moments of the journey. What you set in front of you. It's the goal. It's the goal. It's the thing that you know you're working towards. If you don't have the goal set, we're coming up to that moment in time where, you know, we think about our resolutions at the start of a new year, the end of an old, we set some goals, you know, fitness goals, finance goals, health goal, whatever it might be. We set goals. Why? Because we want to hit something. You've got to set something in front of you. For some, they just set the wrong things in front of them. And the things they set in front of them cause worry and overwhelm and panic and strife because of what's set in front of you. Jesus set joy in front of him, the joy of knowing that you would be his. So joy is possible. And this first Christmas, the story of the shepherds, story of Mary, it chooses us that we, it, it tells us that we can find joy in the everyday, mundane routine, the boring routines of life, that we can stop chasing after what has been sent, or stop chasing after joy in that sense, understanding it's been sent, it's here now, and we take the first step towards realizing that joy is ours through what Jesus has done for us. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Bitter is a choice. Angry is a choice. Remember this when you sit around the Christmas table with family and friends and you get a little, it's choice. It's a choice. It's a choice to be joyful. It's a choice to be responsive and reactive. That's a choice. Discouragement is a choice and you can choose. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? I want to pray for you this Christmas and this Christmas season that like Jesus said, your joy would be full. Your joy
would be full. And then in all the busyness and all the activity and all the preparation, all the things you've got to do to make, you know, the table perfect for people tomorrow and, you know, the, the time with family and food, that in the middle of all of that, that you would remember joyful. Be joyful. Enjoy those moments. Because the people won't remember the food, they'll remember you. That's what they'll remember. Father, I thank you today for Christmas. Thank you today for Jesus. Thank you today that when he came into the world and was born, it wasn't just a joyful moment. It was joy with momentum. It was joy forever. It was eternal joy for all of us because our Savior had been born that day to release the world from sin. And Father, we thank you today as those that know forgiveness, that know you as Lord and Savior today, that our hearts really are joyful. And I pray this season of Christmas particularly, uh, and as we gather with our loved ones, and as we go through all of the celebrations, that it would be joyful, joyful, joyful in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. We're going to close this morning with that carol, Joy to the World. We're going to sing it big. We're going to sing it loud. We're going to sing it proud. Tomorrow morning, Christmas Day, we're here 9 a.m. for a less than one hour. Everyone say less than. A less than one hour service tomorrow morning. And tomorrow morning, we're not going to do what we always do. We always hang around for hospitality. Today, cafes opened and all of that for hospitality. But tomorrow, we're going straight home. Everyone say straight home after the service because I saved my gift unwrapping for straight after the service. And I'm going straight home tomorrow. Straight. Any friends? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Let's go. Come on, church. If you want to come down the front, we talked about unrestrained joy today. Why don't we have some joy? Come on. Oh